welcome to Lagos, our first Lagos meeting for the 2020-2021 year. Um, excited for each of you guys to, um, you know, to see all of your faces, although, you know, it is online as opposed to in person. Um, yeah, I, you know, this is for, for those of you who are new or if anybody is new here, this is a ministry of Lighthouse Bible Church San Jose, a Lagos ministry. It's our midweek ministry of the word. Uh, and prayer, and it's open to all affinity groups. So whether you're married or single uh, or a collegian, this is this is a ministry for you. Um, and yeah, actually, the theme this year is God's high calling for gospel leadership and discipleship in the local church. Um, and yeah, this this may sound familiar because um, our our uh, pastor and elders and deacons have been preaching on this um, over the past. Uh, several weeks uh, and months. And so, yeah, this is really just an extension of, of that preaching and, you know, the opportunity for us as a whole church to dive deeper into the word, uh, into First uh, Timothy. Um, and so, yeah, so, so the ministry of the word um, in this ministry is, it's in the form of these Thursday night Bible teachings like today, uh, it'd be about two times a month. Um, and the teachings would be um, done by our elders and also a few men on the Laga shepherding staff. Um, yeah, and it's in these Zoom large meetings. Then we also have ministry of prayer, which is um, in the form of discipleship groups, which were formerly called small groups. And th those are happen about once a month. Um, and so those would also be taking place online, but um, based on um, what your group prefers, what your discipler uh, chooses uh, as a platform, that's what you guys will be meeting. Um, on with your group. Um, so just quickly going over the order of worship, we'll be uh, opening up with a quick word of prayer uh, by myself and also Teddy Yu. Uh, we'll also have a, a special time of sharing by JC Gueco and our elder Peter uh, on their pursuit of the seminary training that they're going through um, at this time. Then uh, we'll have the preaching of God's word by Pastor Mark and then afterwards, we'll have uh, some closing announcements, uh, a short Q&A session with Pastor Mark. And then, uh, yeah, we're actually going to be leaving this open a little bit for um, uh, just time to hang out. You know, people can uh, see each other's faces on this call. And then we'll probably close up around 10 p.m. So, um, yeah, I think just to get started, maybe, Teddy, you could open us up in a word of prayer. And then I could, uh, I could pray for us after. Sure. Let's pray. Dear Father God, what a wonderful time that we can come together, even in times like this, and even through means such as um, online Zoom. We're thankful to know that despite the distance and despite just um, not being able to physically interact to the, uh, to the degree and to the uh, frequency that we would like, as, is, as would be um, just so wonderful as a church family. We're thankful to know that you, Christ, are near and you, and in you we have that unity and we can share that bond as children of the living God. We thank you that we can celebrate together um, just your revealed word, um, to have your scriptures with us, and to know that in, the, in your scriptures we can hear, we can read your word, we can um, understand it, and we can um, even see you, God. And we pray that in the passage that is to be preached tonight, may we also see um, just this call to, to know you and to follow you and to love you, a call of discipleship, God. 
And may we, you pr- and we pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive this, that this is a calling that we don't get to define for ourselves or just decide when it's convenient to hear, but especially in times such as these where there's so many inconveniences and things are so uncertain, to know that this is a calling from you. You call us to be faithful. You call us to follow you. You call us to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. May we do so, honoring and glorifying you and not just you as a good person, but you as God of all heaven and earth and as the creator God, as Lord over all. And so may we um, just delight in knowing that you are our great King. Amen. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we're just so humbled at the opportunity that we have to study your word, uh, despite these uh, unique circumstances that we're in. Lord, being sheltered in place, not being able to gather as freely as we once uh, were able to. Um, and Lord, we're just uh, excited and um, thankful for Lagos starting up again. And um, Lord, this is all you're doing and um, your work uh, through us. And so I pray for each one of us that we would have hearts ready to receive your word um, through this whole year, Lord, that we are softened by our word. We're humbled by it, Lord, that we would um, really seek to know you more through your word um, and that we would desire you and desire to, uh, to love you and to love your people uh, through the discipleship groups. And Lord, as we are uh, just considering this theme of uh, your high calling for gospel leadership and discipleship in the church, Lord, would we be able to put what we learn um, into action, into um, actual practice, Lord, that we're not just learning these things for head knowledge, but that this would really change our hearts, that this would uh, produce good fruit in our lives, Lord, and all of this to your glory um, and not ourselves. Um, And so, Lord, I just thank you for this time. Lord, would you be with Pastor Mark as he brings us the word um, that you would um, speak through him and Lord, that we would be convicted by your word that uh, you've prepared for us tonight. Um, so Lord, we thank you again for this, this platform, for allowing us to meet online um, and pray that we would uh, just enjoy your word to the fullest in Christ's name. I pray. Amen. Uh, thanks, guys. So, yeah, by the way, I did forget to introduce myself for anyone that's new. My name is Tim. I'm, I'm one of the, the male disciples um, in the Lagos ministry. Um, so, yeah, actually, just without further ado, maybe we could have uh, JC and Peter go ahead and share. How about, I don't know if you guys decided who's first, but maybe JC first. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so just giving some context of um, why I went to seminary, um, just to share with you, um, by God's grace, I was saved when I was in my senior year in high school. And after being saved, uh, I had the desire to be a pastor at that time. I was still a teenager, <laughs> but seminary training wasn't even on my mind because uh, none of my pastors um, back then were trained in seminary, um, but they were faithful men. Um, and then I went to college, and after years of pursuing uh, software engineering, um, that desire to be in pastoral ministry, um, you know, was put in the back burner. 
Uh, and then, you know, I got uh, married. Uh, and then uh, we had kids, uh, you know, like just life just goes on. And, you know, um, um, I, it's God who puts that desire in a man's heart. Uh, 20 years later, uh, that desire was rekindled back in 2017. Uh, when I attended my first ever Shepherds Conference, uh, that was a gift uh, to see faithful men, uh, pastors, ministers uh, all over the world, you know, just traveling to LA to be equipped, uh, to be trained, and just being together, you know. And uh, honestly, I was humbled to see that. Uh, and the more I serve in our local church here in Lighthouse, the more I saw the need. Uh, to be equipped. Uh, so after my shep by my first shepherd's conference, uh, I told my wife about. I asked her like, "So what are your thoughts <laughs> of, uh, uh, for me to enroll in seminary? And uh, what are your thoughts of moving to LA?" <laughs> so um, that you know, and then she was shocked at first. Um, but at first, I, I was telling her in 2017. You know, maybe this is like five years from now. You know, not like soon you know, maybe in 2022 um but you know many are the plans in a man's heart but it's god's purpose that prevails um you know god worked in our family's heart in my heart and in katrina's heart uh and, and became the following year that um that i applied in shepherd's conference i uh, sorry sorry in uh, tms uh, in 2018 and she was supportive about this um and the elders were supportive about this as well and I was getting counsel from Pastor Mark and the elders. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's God who calls, who calls a man uh, into ministry. It's not just a desire. It's uh, God's work. Uh, cut the long story short, uh, it's God's grace. Um, and it's this gift that I got into TMS. And uh, I'm taking it slow right now. I'm taking online courses. Um, we're trusting the Lord one semester at a time. Uh, it's been a joy uh, to be in seminary. I, I see the benefit of it. Um, I flew in. I flew to TMS at least a couple of times last school year, and it's been a blessing, a joy to uh, meet uh, fellow seminarians and professors as well. Uh, my hope is to use my seminary training for the local church here in Lighthouse. Uh, my goal is to be a faithful man who is prepared in rightly handling the word of truth um, by the grace and power of Christ. And um, yeah, and th that's the reason why. And, uh, I, and I was happy uh, when I found out that, um, that Peter also enrolled in seminary training. So I'm not alone anymore. And I look forward to the other brothers who will be joining us in this journey in the future by, by, God's, by God's grace and his will. So I think this is a good transition to uh, Peter now. Thanks for sharing, JC. Uh, so yeah, as you guys have heard, I've, I've started seminary classes in August and um, I've been serving as an elder here for seven years. And um, you know, just my love for the word of God just continued to deepen. And I love to teach anyways, so I might as well actually try to be right about stuff. So I went to school and uh, started going to school and, you know, there's a better chance that I can be right more often. 
And I think that's a, a wonderful reason to go to seminary. Um, you know, it's something that I thought about in a while too, like just kind of like JC, it's something you kind of think about, but, uh, but why, you know, this uh, particular time in my life, um, it's been, you know, I think an easy choice to make at this point. Um, and I have, you know, just as uh, any seminarian should have, I have a three-point outline to share with you on why I went to seminary. And I have very, very deep and profound headlines here. The first one is YOLO. YOLO, you only live once. And the verse that came to mind is Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And this is our one chance in our life to find that life. And, you know, you do only live once. You know, the world will use that as an excuse to sin. But, you know, the Holy Spirit changed my heart to view that statement from a spiritual sense that, um, you know, I want to make this hard choice and to see what the Lord's going to do with it. And so you only live once. Number two, very profound. FOMO, fear of missing out. And this world is driven now by fear of missing out. Everyone's afraid to miss out on something. But, but Matthew 25, 21 says there's something that a lot of people are going to miss out on. It's a, the parable of the talents where the master said to the, the good servant, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Unfortunately, like, it's very likely that not every Christian is going to hear that from the Lord. And I am very, very scared of missing out on that. And so that's a big thing that's driving my choice to go to seminary. And the third one, very profound again, is JOMO. JOMO. You probably don't even, you guys don't even know what JOMO is, right? It's the joy of missing out. It's the joy of missing out. It's actually a real acronym, guys, for millennials. Um, the joy of missing out. And Paul, Paul words this very perfectly in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And if you're going to move forward with the Lord, you're going to have to let go of the past. You're going to have to let go of this world. But I don't call that part FOMO. I call that JOMO. I call that the joy of missing out. I'm going to joyfully miss out on more things in this world and life for the sake of the Lord. And, and so um, hopefully those three very profound and deep headlines will uh, help you guys understand uh, some of the stuff that the, just how the Lord um, has changed my heart and has been pointing me in this direction. So um, what's the Lord going to do with this? I have no idea. Um, you know, and how soon are you know, things going to happen? I have no idea. And, uh, you know, to me, I'm patient enough to just wait and find out. I'm not, there's no like specific plan in mind, but, um, but as I uh, learn to be more right often in scripture and my teaching, I will uh, hopefully do that for the glory of the Lord. So thanks guys for listening. Thanks, Peter and JC, for, uh, for sharing. Yeah, let's, let's continue to be in prayer for these two men. Um, 
you know, for their pursuit in, in seminary training. training. Um, all right, I think we're going to move over to the time of teaching by Pastor Mark. So, uh, Pastor Mark, please take it away. I'm excited about these two men being in seminary. It means there's going to be lots of pulpit opportunities for them in the near future. So, and uh, lots of other biblical counseling and all other manner of service opportunities. But it's a joy. It's been sweet just to spend time with uh, both JC and Peter and, and talk and hear about what they're learning. And hopefully later in the semester, we'll get some updates on that as well. And we're planning on making sure that whatever they learn, they have an opportunity to share it with the church and uh, so that we get to participate in those things together. Uh, what I wanted to do tonight as we launch and we figure things out is to really give an introduction, a reintroduction to Lagos. We take a break during the summer and then we come back and every summer we have the opportunity maybe to, to gather together and to pray and to consider this ministry and to fine tune it and uh, to give maybe an overview of where we're going and, and what this is all about, sort of a huddle before we get launched for the coming year. And in many ways, what Lagos is, as we talked about it with the elders, it's really the primary equipping and discipleship um, service of the church after Sunday. And uh, it's our opportunity really just to enjoy Christ and to draw near to him and to take what we enjoy Sunday during the week, uh, Sunday, and, and to spread it out during the week and to see it penetrate our hearts and lives. And then also for that to really spread into your workplace, your homes, your families, so that the good news of Jesus Christ spreads out. And this year, our focus is going to be on 1 Timothy. Every year, we usually choose one book of the Bible, and we slowly walk through that together. And so as we consider those things, I want to run through for you a couple of uh, you know, foundational principles of what Logos is about and what uh, we believe the Lord is trying to do through this. And uh, the foundation that we're going to use this evening is going to come from Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12, we're going to be looking at Jesus' call of the first disciples. How did Jesus make disciples? And to help me out with this, um, I'm going to pray first and ask for the Lord's blessing on his, his word and mercy for us. And then I'm going to switch to my share screen and put up some PowerPoints for you to follow with me. And uh, I hope you'll bear with me as uh, we get that technology figured out. Uh, but uh, you know, if there's problems, just let us know. But let's, let's ask the Lord for prayer as we come to his word. Lord Jesus, you're the one who makes disciples and you've blessed our church in just amazing ways. Even this past Sunday, what we've seen, but over the last several years, Lord, the work that you've done in the lives of the members of this church and the way in which you make disciples and transform lives is just a joy and a beauty to behold. And so as we come to your word, we just ask for your help, Lord Jesus, to see your goodness, your grace, and your incredible love for us, to see that clearly. Would you help us to let go of the things of this world and the things that challenge us even for a short period of time, Lord, so that we can sit at your feet and be encouraged by your word and uh, to allow that wor word to come in and change our hearts, our lives, our marriages, our workplaces, so that we can carry the good news of salvation for sinners from above, Lord, that that would come 
and enter into just every aspect of our lives. So thank you for these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. All right. Um, are you guys, is everybody able to see? We the, can see uh, it, Pastor Mark. Yep. Okay, excellent. Okay, so years ago, we used to have what was called affinity groups and we were divided up. We had collegians, we had uh, singles, we had um, sort of, we were trying to get started marriage and family again. And Logos really came out of the singles ministry in a big way as the Lord led our church. And there was a need for us to gather together as a church family um, in the word of the Lord. And uh, the Lord brought us together. And part of that was, in response to the elders wanting to be obedient to the word of the Lord. Uh, it was starting to get difficult and challenging for the elders to be obedient to the word by discipling other men. We were spread out in many different areas. So one of the primary reasons was to bring everyone together so that we could really focus again on discipleship as opposed to being active and running many ministries to support the church. And so, you know, logos really, which is the Greek word for word, and that's the Greek word that we find in John 1.1 1, 1, when it says, in the beginning was the word, John 1.1. 1, 1. And the emphasis and, and the reason for naming this and the priority is that it's Christ's word that saves lives. And he disciples men and women with his word. He gives us his love through the word. And what John is clearly doing is tying this together, Christ's arrival, with Genesis. He's making this point very clear. God created the world and the universe through his word. He spreads his glory through his word. His word created the heavens and the earth, the sun, moon, and stars, and his word made you and I in his image, and his word shares his love with us. And very much so, that is what is happening when Jesus comes into the world to bring a new beginning. And John is making that point, in the beginning was the word, that our lives begin and end with the word of God. Now, that can be in a positive way in, in, as we think about what JC and, and Peter just shared with us, or that can be in a negative judgment way, depending on where we stand in relationship to the word of the Lord. Uh, but the word is really the source of life for the believer, and it's the great source of joy, and it's where discipleship begins and ends. So Lagos ministry is meant to be a ministry that, without apology, is all about the word of the Lord. And the tagline uh, for Lagos is learning to live the word of God together. Learning to live the word of God together. And the implication here is we're not just coming to study it so that we can become Bible nerds and seminary nerds and so that we have lots, we know lots of information about the Bible. The word has been given to us so that we can live it in fellowship with Christ. And the Lord has given us the local church so that we can live it together. Okay? He has not made it as a solo project where we go by ourselves to the mountain, read the Bible, and suddenly become a monk and we're transformed. No, the Lord has given the local church for this purpose of discipleship that we need one another to live by faith together. There are going to be moments where I'm weak and you're strong. 
and I'm going to need a word of encouragement from you. Okay, a good word that, that comes from you. I was reading in Proverbs in my devotions this morning. Um, Proverbs 12.25, it says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. And Solomon in his Proverbs is pointing out the way in which we can help one another when we're stressed, when we're getting beaten down. What we need is we need a good word to help lift that load. And a good word, obviously, is the word of the Lord, a word that brings goodness and life into our, our, our lives and brings the love of God into our lives and points us in the right direction. This is God's provision for us as we follow him through this fallen world as sinners and we wait for him to come again and we make our way through difficult times and difficult places. And so Lagos is meant to be a ministry that gives you a good word. It's meant to give you the word of Christ. And very specifically, uh, our focus this year, and this has come from our elders meetings this summer praying together, Lagos was always a discipleship ministry. Lagos was always a ministry that really wanted to focus on teaching you how to read your Bible correctly, how to read it in a way that was right and how to live it and pray it in a way that was pleasing to the Lord, to see lives transformed. And, and that does begin with Christ working in our lives, teaching us how to rightly handle his word. We talked about this this past Sunday, that there are many people who abuse and misuse the word of the Lord. We're going to study that in 1 Timothy. Okay, There's no shortage of churches where people know a lot about the Bible and their lives look nothing like Jesus. Okay? And so there was really a commitment from the beginning to equip members of the church so that we could really appreciate and hear and pay close attention and rightly understand what God is trying to say to us through his word. His word is living and sharper than a two-edged sword. They're not just pieces of ink on a piece of paper. His word is alive and it comes and it's meant to transform us, but we have to have hearts that are ready to receive it in the way it was intended. And to some degree, this is what JC and Peter are going to seminary to study, to be refined even more. And it's a lifetime endeavor of learning from Christ how to rightly receive his word. And in many ways, that's the focus of Lagos. So Lagos really explicitly was meant to be a discipleship ministry and an equipping ministry to equip you with the word of God so that you can do the work of ministry so that you can build one another up in Christ. That's Ephesians 4:12, And second Timothy three, 15 through 17 makes this point. What is it that makes the man of God complete for every good work? If you in the church have a desire to do a good work for Christ, well, you can't do that without being equipped with the word of God. Okay. If you want to be saved, you can't be saved without the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.15 through 17 makes that explicit. But maybe perhaps even more important, we come to our mission statement at our church. What is our calling? Matthew 28.18 through 20. It's to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I want to highlight this. There's a lot of talk about discipleship. A lot of people will say, this person's discipling me, that person's discipling me. But at the end of the day, if it's not Christ who's discipling us, you know, what are we doing? 
you know, at the end of the day, it's meaningless and, and it's worth nothing. At the end of the day, discipleship is all about Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's why tonight our focus, as we lay a foundation of where we're going in Lagos, I'd like us to consider together how Christ makes disciples. How does Jesus Christ make disciples? Okay. Rather than, oh, Pastor Mark is discipling me or John MacArthur's disciple, or I'm a disciple of John Piper. You know, we need to step back and say, at the end of the day, only Jesus saves. And only his word is going to stand the test of time. He is the living word of God. And so if we're really going to consider what it means to be part of a discipleship ministry, before we can disciple others, we need to be discipled. And we need to be discipled by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How did Jesus make disciples? That's going to be our, our focus for this evening. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 25. I'm going to have someone read that in a few moments. But I want to set the context for this. One of the things that we'll labor to do with you this year in your discipleship groups is to walk through looking at scripture and understanding and listening to it in the way Jesus intends you to hear it, okay? Rather than, I think this means, you think this means. Well, Matthew 4, where does Matthew 4 sit in the Bible? And this comes with the understanding that the Bible is God's love letter to us. It has a beginning in Genesis. It has an end in Revelation. The canon is closed. Okay, we cannot add or subtract from God's word. Everything that we need for life and godliness we find in this. But there's a story that's unfolding. Okay, God's word, as the Westminster Catechism teaches us, has been given to us so that we can know who God is and we can appreciate what he requires of us. So that we can know who God is and appreciate what God requires of us. Without God's word, we don't know who he is. And we will never know what he requires of us, okay? We're just making up man-made traditions. So scripture's God's love letter, and it begins in the Old Testament, begins in Genesis and the creation of the universe and the world, and it ends in Revelation. Well, where does Matthew 4 come in? And this is important for us to understand this. I always say this. My parents are somewhere watching us this evening. They're, they're signed on, so they're holding me accountable. But, you know, classically, I tell you, we watch movies at home and, and my dad will come in partway through because he's busy doing other things and taking care of things at, in the home. And he's confused for the first half hour. And he persistently asks my mom and I what's going on in the movie because he's come in partway and he hasn't seen the beginning. Okay. If we don't understand the fullness of the story and where you're coming in in the story, you will misinterpret. And that is very true in the church. So Matthew comes in in the New Testament. It comes in at the very, it is the very first gospel written by Matthew, the former tax collector, the former Jewish tax collector, okay? But also then the man who Christ transformed into his disciple and his apostle and his scribe, the one who wrote down the gospel account of Jesus' life and ministry that we find in the very beginning of the New Testament. And the sweet thing about Matthew is Matthew beautifully acts as a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, many people believe that Matthew was written for Jewish believers 
and the early uh, church that was filled primarily with Jewish believers and Jewish disciples of Jesus Christ, because there are so many Jewish references and there are so many scripture references to the Old Testament where he makes the point and emphasis that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's word. And as we look at the themes, each gospel has a different emphasis and theme. God and the Holy Spirit is working in and through each individual gospel writer. He works through their personalities. He works through their character. But at the end of the day, he's producing his work. And that's the same way he works in our local church. Peter, Ted, and I are distinctly different. And yet he's working in each one of us in a complementary way to do his work. And we see in the Gospels, we see a very similar thing happening through the authors of each of the different Gospels, okay? The apostles, all right? And so with Matthew, the apostle, disciple, and scribe, his emphasis is very much on Jesus as the Messiah who, or the anointed king of God's word, okay? And he goes through consistently showing us step by step how every aspect of Jesus' life and ministry and his gospel ministry is a fulfillment of God's promises in the Old Testament. But there are a couple of other interesting things about the gospel of Matthew. When you go through Matthew, you see that Matthew spends a lot of time emphasizing Jesus' teaching perhaps more so than the other Gospels. He spends the most time recording Jesus' sermons. And so there's a high, high emphasis here on Matthew as he lays the foundation as we come into the New Testament on what Jesus has said, his words. And he also places a huge emphasis on discipleship. Okay, So Matthew has this theme and shows what it is and how Jesus makes disciples. And we would do well to consider this as we consider our in our own lives, are we disciples of Jesus Christ, okay? And so Matthew 4 comes obviously at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, not at the end. It comes after Jesus' temptation in the wilderness as he's tempted by Satan, and he rebukes and refutes Satan with God's word. And in every aspect and way in which Israel failed in the wilderness and succumbed to the temptation of Satan and the temptation of the flesh, we see that Jesus succeeds. He is the Son of God in the way that Israel should have been the Son of God but failed. And he succeeds in the way that all the kings of Israel failed. And clearly Matthew's pointing to us, this is no ordinary man. He is the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us, who has come to do what we could not do for ourselves, to live that life that we could never live, to be pleasing to the Lord and to be pleasing to the Father. Okay, and so that's been the buildup as we get to Matthew 4. And after the temptation, then Jesus begins his gospel ministry. And the first portion of that gospel ministry is his making disciples of himself. That's the first portion of his gospel ministry, which begins in the Galilee region. And that begins, that brings us to Matthew 4, verses 12 through 25. And I'm going to ask, uh, let's see, Teddy, I can see you on my screen. So maybe you could read for us Matthew 4, verses 12 through 25. All right. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. 
the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Thanks, Teddy. You know, as we consider this text, you know, we're given this account of how Jesus made disciples and how he continues to make disciples through those who follow him. Uh, I know I grew up a long, long time ago, uh, long before any of you were born, okay? But in the 70s, in Toronto, Canada, Saturday afternoons, they would have Black Belt Theater, okay? And Black Belt Theater used to show, at least in Toronto, Canada, all the old Shaw Brother Kung Fu movies, okay? For whatever reason, we couldn't get the Bruce Lee ones. You had to sort of pay to get those ones, but you get all the Shaw Brother ones. And all those Kung Fu movies, which I personally loved, and then used to see everybody in the neighborhood go out and throw things at one another and try and fight after, you could tell when Black Belt Theater was over because all the kids would be out in the street mocking and throwing things at one another. But for those two hours, they basically played out for us, for many of us, what's commonly been called the hero's journey. Okay, the hero's journey is sort of the template for great adventures, okay? And, and it's based on Homer's Odyssey, but you also see it through the great themes and the great stories, and Star Wars is an example of the hero's journey. But with these uh, Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movies, the classic story is about the hero's journey. This young person, he's kicked out of his village, okay? He's hurt, he's disrespected and uh, he's treated like a dog, and then he has to go and he's got to climb the mountain, he's got to find that kung fu master, he's got to serve him, he's got to do all of these different tests and trials to show that he is worthy of being the kung fu master's disciple, and something happens, and then he gets taken in, and then he's got to go through all this rigorous training to prove that he is worthy of being the master's disciple, eventually he does, okay, through some ups and downs, and then he goes back to his village where they treated him poorly and it kicks everyone's butt, okay? That's sort of the model, all right? Why do I bring this up? Because that is pretty well the model of every religion in the world. It's a discipleship of works. It's a discipleship where you are the hero, 
and it's about you struggling and earning and going to medical school or software engineering school or doing whatever you have to do to work three jobs to put yourself through college to earn the right to be at a prestigious school or a prestigious place or to be John MacArthur's intern and then to be vetted and to prove yourself that you are worthy to get that secret training and then to come out and show the world that you're it. And I emphasize this because that's the way of the world. That's our job, that's our employment. And many times, sadly, that's the approach or understanding that's coming with discipleship, you know? And, and sometimes too, what comes with that idea is the attitude of, well, if I'm gonna be your disciple, I'm here to help you. I'm here to carry your water. I'm here to do this, that, or the other thing. And I'm here to show you what a great asset and service I have for you. But when we come to Matthew 4, we see that with Jesus, it is completely the opposite. It's not about disciples climbing up to the top of the mountain to prove that they're worthy of being Jesus' disciples. These disciples were never worthy of being Jesus' disciples. It's about Jesus coming down to men and women who were unworthy of being his disciples and loving them and caring for them and giving them a gift that is far more precious than anything they will ever experience or know or could earn in this world. He's giving them the gift of his word and he's giving them the gift of his fellowship and he's giving them the gift of the cross. That's what he's coming to do. And that we see is what making disciples is all about and how Jesus is so contrary to that. And we're going to consider this after we go through this passage to consider how are we trying to follow in Jesus' footsteps in the discipleship at Lighthouse Bible Church and also in the Logos ministry. As we look at the passage, okay, when we start in verse 12, through 16 okay verses 12 through 16 how does the passage begin in, in 12 through 16 jc you're going to seminary so i'll let you chime in you're on my on my screen okay how does this passage begin what's the action what is happening in verses 12 through 16 or even 12 through 12 through 13 Um, yeah, so he begins his ministry here. Sure. And, and how does that ministry begin? Uh, he begins um, after John the Baptist was arrested. And what does Jesus do? He withdrew okay. uh, into Galilee. He goes into Galilee, okay? He leaves his home, verse 13, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, okay? So where were the disciples? Where did they live? Clarence, I see you on my screen, so you and Anna can, can tell us. Where, where, where did the disciples do their place of business? Where did they fish? If all else fails, we just look at the word of God and the answer is there.
Capernaum? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And, and Galilee, Capernaum by the sea. So he moves from Nazareth, which is inland, and he goes to Capernaum, which is by the sea. You can still go to Capernaum today, and there's a place that's set up there where they think or believe was Peter's home. Okay. So he, let me ask you this with the disciples. Do the disciples go to Jesus or does Jesus come to the disciples? Teddy, I'll let you have that answer. Jesus goes to the disciples. Jesus goes to the disciples, the son of God. He doesn't say, oh, this is where I am at the top of the mountain. You claw your way to the top of the mountain. And if you prove yourself, you get to hang out with me. They're not even, they're busy in their work. They're doing their thing. They're out there fishing and earning a living. And he comes to them. And we see the beauty and humility of the incarnation of Emmanuel, God with us. And then in verse 14 and 15, okay, Matthew shows us as he quotes Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, that Jesus coming to this region and this area and to these lowly blue-collar fishermen and merchant and tradesmen is actually a fulfillment of God's promise and his word. That every aspect of Jesus' discipleship and making disciples is a fulfillment of the word of God. Not one jot or tittle, okay, is out of place. And Matthew shows us as Jesus does this, who Jesus is. Who it is that has come to draw near and draw close to these fishermen, okay? And verse 15. Okay, who does he say it is? Okay, he shows them. He says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Okay, shadow of death. That should make us think of Psalm 23, what we've spent forever studying. Okay, and what is or who is this person who has come near to these fishermen? He is the living word of God. He is the fulfillment of God's word. He's Psalm 119. He is the light to our feet, the lamp to our path, right? He is the light of the world. And he's come and he's entered into their darkness, okay? So brothers and sisters, discipleship begins and ends with the person and personal presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in our lives in our world, in our church, in our darkness, okay? And that's the joy, and that's why we celebrate discipleship, because it's this beautiful gift of grace and love where Christ himself personally is present in our lives. You know, what would you pay to have Steph Curry come and show you how to shoot a basketball? And to spend an afternoon in a clinic with him. What would you pay to spend an afternoon with Tiger Woods working on your golf stroke? Okay? What would you tell your friends? And here we have the King of Glory, the light of the world who comes in. Discipleship, brothers and sisters, is about the gift of Christ's person and his presence in our lives. Without Jesus, there is no discipleship. 
okay? But the beauty of discipleship is he himself comes personally. That is the good news of the gospel. That's what we celebrate every week at church when we gather together and we proclaim God's word and the good news of the gospel. That's what we sing. And as we gather around the Lord's table, which Lord willing, we hope to do this Sunday, that's what we celebrate. He's come to us. We weren't worthy, but he's come to us. Okay, so Jesus, person, and presence. There are three aspects of Christ that are uncompromising, okay? The first, Jesus' person and presence, okay? The second is Jesus' word, what he says specifically to us, okay? And in verse 17 through 22, Jesus speaks to the disciples, okay? He speaks broadly and does a broad proclamation in verse 17. Okay, and then he goes very specifically and speaks directly, biblical counseling, okay, to some fishermen. Okay, we see the general and we see the personal, and both are part of Jesus' ministry. Okay, so my apologies here, I, I moved ahead of myself. What is it that Jesus says, and what is the word that he gives? Verse 4, 17, from that time, okay, Jesus coming to Capernaum, from that time, okay, verse 17, Jesus began to preach saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, brothers and sisters, why do we spend so much time talking about repentance and trying to have an appreciation of what biblical repentance is? Well, this, this is, these are the words of Christ. This is what he first began to say and teach and to sow the seed wide. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's making the point that as he came present and drew close to the disciples, okay, these fishermen, that God himself and the very kingdom of heaven was coming close to them. It was right there. All the wealth and beauty of the kingdom was right there in the person of Christ. Okay. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the Reformation, when Martin Luther shook the Catholic Church and its very foundations, it began with him nailing 95 theses on the door in Wittenberg. And those theses were all about true biblical repentance, which the Catholic Church at that point had completely gone away from. Core and central. And the reason Martin Luther was writing about that was because he believed because the church had gotten away from that idea of the truth of what God's word says about repentance, they were stopping people from coming to Jesus. They were stopping people from appreciating and enjoying life with Christ to the fullest. Okay, So we see what is the word of Jesus. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But he's not done then. Verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, what? What does he say to them? Verse 19. He says, follow me. And in Greek, it's dute. It means come immediately. Come now. Okay? Drop it and get busy. Go, do it right away. And he says this with authority, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Okay. 
Brothers and sisters, the point I want to make to you is Jesus makes disciples by speaking into our lives. Jesus makes disciples by calling us to repent, by entering into the darkness of our lives and showing us through the light of his holiness that there are things in our lives that are keeping us back from being with him. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's our families. Maybe it's our career. You know, these are the things that, that JC and, and Peter were talking about earlier this evening. Things of this world that are big in this world, but in God's kingdom, they're small. And they hold us back from spending time with Christ. Well, Jesus makes disciples by correcting us lovingly, graciously, gently, but coming into our lives and showing us, hey, you're going in the wrong direction. Now, Peter and John, their, their fishing businesses, as we read the Gospels, the implication of the text is their, their fishing business was actually, may have been very, very successful. They may have been blue-collar guys, but they actually may have come from families that were fairly prosperous. Galilee was the breadbasket of the region. It supplied the fish not only to the Jews, but also to the Romans as well. And there's some indication that John may have had relationships with the high priests and the high priestly families because they may have been providing fish for them, okay? You know, yes, these were hardworking fishermen. Yes, they were laboring hard, but they had something to lose by following Jesus, okay? And we see that discipleship goes from correction or call to repent. Well, it shows us very, very closely. It involves leaving things so that we can follow and be with Jesus so that we can spend time with him, okay? It's an essential part of making disciples. The word of Christ, not spoken broadly, brothers and sisters, but spoken personally where Jesus comes into our lives and applies his word exactly to the place where we are standing and where we are struggling. And that's what's so beautiful and loving about Jesus. He tailors it to each person. And having spoken his word, okay, we come to the third part of discipleship. First part is Jesus' person and his presence. Second part is Jesus' word spoken into our lives. Third part is Jesus' work in our lives. When Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, he's making the point that they need to change. Brothers and sisters, discipleship is about change. If you don't want to change and you feel you're perfect as you are, you know everything, you can preach every sermon, you're doing great, then there's no need to go to seminary, there's no need to be equipped, and there's no need to open up the Bible and read, and there's no need to be discipled by the leaders of the local church. Because you're perfect as you are. Jesus can come now, just keep going, and you're God's gift to the church. But as we come under Christ's word, we see, wow, you know what? There's a lot that needs to change. And we will always need to change in our marriages, our parenting, our families, our ministries until Jesus comes. And we need to learn from Jesus. But for that to happen, brothers and sisters, it's not just learning textbooks. Christ has to change our lives. And he wants to do it, and he's able to do it. And he promises to do it the work of Christ in our lives. But brothers and sisters, that work will never happen 
unless like the disciples, we're willing to let go of our nets and by faith follow him. And the only way we're going to let go of our nets and follow him is if we believe he is indeed the son of God. And if we believe his promise that he is going to change us and make us fishers of men. What does it mean to make us fishers of men? John Calvin writes this. He says, As to the meaning of the metaphor fishers of men, there is no necessity for a minute investigation. In other words, it's obvious. Yet as it was drawn from the present occurrence, and he's talking about coming and being right there with the fishermen, the illusion which Christ made to fishing when he spoke of preaching of the gospel. So he's talking about being fishers of men is about proclaiming the gospel. It was very appropriate what Jesus did. He says, for men stray and wander in the world as in a great and troubled sea until they are gathered by the gospel. Men stray and wander in the world as, a, as in a great and troubled sea till they are gathered by the gospel. And I read that because it's a beautiful description of the world we're living in. We are living in a troubled world. We are living in a troubled time. And it is like a sea. It's continual change, lack of certainty. Things are always moving around us. We are always confronting waves coming from different ends. And John Calvin so beautifully shows what is it that brings us home and provides an anchor and safety in the midst of the storm. It's the gospel that comes and gathers us and takes us out of the turmoil of the sea and brings us into God's boat to be together with Jesus. And that's where Jesus is taking his disciples. We've got to see what's the end in sight for discipleship. Many people want to become disciples because they want to become a better person. They want to become a servant in the church, maybe an elder and deacon. They want to become respectable. They want a better life. Discipleship, brothers, if you want a better life, don't be a disciple, okay? Your life is going to be harder, not better, okay? The end point of discipleship is that you would become like Jesus. That you leave behind your life and your home to enter into other people's darkness, to reach out to them and to share with them personally the word of Christ so that it lifts them out of the darkness and turbulence of this sinful world and their sinful lives, and so they can be with Jesus. That's what a disciple is. That's the end point. That's what we're working towards. And it's Christ who does that. And it's a beautiful thing he does. He makes you a life giver rather than a life taker. That's what discipleship is about. And that's how we look at discipleship in our lives. Is it fruitful? Brothers and sisters, it does not happen unless we believe what Jesus is saying, who he is, and unless we heed his command and we obey his words. And so what we're given here in this passage, very beautifully, we see how Jesus makes disciples. And if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, this is the work that he's done. He has come personally into your life. He has spoken his word into your life. He's corrected your life. And he's begun through the power of the cross to transform your life and make you into a completely new creation in him. 
If any man is in Christ, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay? And we see mechanical engineers and software engineers who start to become pastors. Okay? And that doesn't mean you're all going to leave your jobs to go to seminary, but it does mean, okay, your new identity is not your job, your career, your family. Your new identity is that you're a child of the living God and you're his servant and you're sharing in his ministry of sharing his love and seeing sinners saved through the power of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, that's what discipleship is all about. And that is the direction that we're taking for this coming year. And that's what Lagos ministry is all about. Okay, I bring you back to the vision of the Lagos ministry. In the beginning was the word. And it's this idea of meeting and being together with Jesus Christ. It's the gift that we have. Lagos is completely designed you know, for one purpose and one purpose alone. For the church to gather together and be discipled by Jesus Christ and his word. All we're doing is providing a framework for you to do that. This is for you the opportunity so that as much as it's possible to make it as easy as possible to provide a way for the church to gather together to allow Christ to speak into our lives and to make us into something new, okay? I'm going to roll out for you the plan for the coming fall, and I hopefully will, I'm hoping you'll start to see some of the connections of, of what we just walked through. The first and third Thursday of every month, this is the first sort of after Labor Day anyways, but what our plan is the first and third Thursday of the month, all of us, all ages, everyone is going to gather together, Lord willing, on a Thursday evening from 8.30 till 10 o'clock for the proclamation of Christ and his word. One of the elders or one of the deacons will take a passage from 1 Timothy and we're going to work our way through from beginning to end of 1 Timothy. And the focus is the Apostle Paul deals with God's high calling for leadership in the local church, gospel leadership in the local church. But what we're doing as we gather together is to hear the proclamation of Christ and his word. This is about the person of Christ and his personal presence. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. And our 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 desire here is for all of us to gather together to hear the word of the Lord. And the focus this year will be a little bit different. Okay, I've asked the uh, elders and the deacons as we walk through this, you've already heard a sermon on it. I've asked them to focus in 30 minutes on what we call the authorial intent. What is God trying to say to us through this passage? And how does God want us to apply it in our lives? Those are the two notes that we're going to aim for, okay, this semester. And so that'll be the first and third via Zoom like we're doing tonight, okay? The second part of Logos is that we've divided you up into discipleship groups. We've asked all of you to sign up. We tried to give you as much as we can, your first or second choice, and we've divided you up into groups where there is a discipler who is going to lead your group. And the idea here in these groups, we can call them discipleship groups for a reason, and I'll get into that in a moment. But the first and third week before that Thursday evening, you will gather with your small group 
and you will study the scripture that will be taught on Thursday evening. And this is an opportunity for you to learn how to rightly interpret and divide God's word and to appreciate how Jesus wants us to understand this passage. And that is a primer and a preparation of your heart for the Thursday evening. It should not be rocket science. It should be an hour, an hour and a half to just simply walk through that passage in a similar way to what we've walked through this evening. The second week, the week that's in between that time, the first and third week, is a time for you and your discipleship group to gather together and pray through the scripture that you studied together and that you heard together. Okay? Our hope here is that you will learn how to pray through the scriptures, okay? And to see the transformation that comes in your life as you do, do so. There's also an addition this year where I'm asking the disciples to ask each of you in your small group every week to share one truth you've learned from 1 Timothy with someone outside your small group. I've said this to the men who go to seminary. I've said, if all you do is study and you keep it to yourself, your head will swell with pride. God has given you his word to share it with others. So we're asking you as members of the group, if you're coming in and these folks are pouring into your life, to take what you've learned and share it, whether it be with your spouse, a friend, a coworker, a family member, to share one truth that you've learned that's been an encouragement to you, to encourage someone else with that good word. Okay? And then at the end of this, we gather together on Sundays with our hearts ministered to by the Word of God and prepared by the Word of God to come and celebrate Christ together. Sunday corporate worship is very much a part of Logos. In many ways, Logos is a preparation and equipping. So when we gather together as a corporate body, we can speak the truth and love to one another and build one another up and stir one another up to love and good deeds. That's ultimately the purpose, brothers and sisters of Logos. It's not just so you can study your Bible. It's so we can minister to one another and we can also share the good news with others. Okay. Matthew 28, 20, you're familiar with this. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is Jesus with the Great Commission. Okay. I have a couple of requests of you. If you've signed up for Logos, you've been assigned to a discipleship group. We no longer call it a small group. We call it a discipleship group to make it explicit that your participation, if you're going to participation, if you're going to participate, excuse me, means that you're committing to be discipled in your group, very specifically by the discipler of the group, the leader of that group, but also by the other members of that group. Okay. In years past in Lagos, some groups did really well. Other groups struggled. And some of the groups, people came, they did not prepare in advance. They showed up sort of whenever they might have come late or, or leave early. They've got one foot in, one foot out. The idea is small group means we're hanging out together. So we're being explicit this year. Okay. Our purpose and intention is discipleship. And discipleship means being taught to observe all that Christ has commanded. It means to have that word spoken generally, but also personally into your life. And so I'm asking, okay, that if you come, really recognize what Christ is offering you. 
Christ is offering you an incredible gift. He's giving you himself. He's giving you his word. And he's giving you an opportunity to have your life transformed by his word. That's the framework for discipleship. But similar to the disciples, if that is going to be a reality in your life, you need to be willing to let go of something in your life. It's going to cost you something to come and follow Jesus at Logos. Okay? You have to come, brothers and sisters, with a heart that's ready to be instructed and corrected with Christ's word by the leaders and the members of Lighthouse Bible Church San Jose, your peers and those whom the elders have placed over you. Yes, that discipler has been placed over you to oversee your life. So when you're together in your discipleship group and there's a sharing time of prayer and nobody's saying anything and everybody's saying, how's your life? Oh, it's going well. How's your life? It's going well. How's your life? It's going well. Yeah, can you just pray for my job or pray for my family? And that's the same thing that goes around every week. And we're coming in like this, okay? And we haven't let go of anything, including our pride, all right? Unwilling to make ourselves vulnerable or open up or willing to be shepherded by the word of God. Hey, I had a rough time with my kids this week. I had a rough time on my job this week. I'm struggling with anger because my boss is driving me nuts, okay? Please pray for me. What does the word of the Lord have to say, all right? There are really two different attitudes, okay? Now, we're not asking the people who lead these groups to tell you how much money to give the church or where to take your vacation or what jobs to take. We're asking them, to speak into your life with the word of God, to provide correction very specifically from Christ's word. That's the responsibility of a discipler. The responsibility of a discipler is to encourage you when you're weak, but also if you're straying to come in and bring biblical correction in a loving and gracious and gentle way. Hey, how's your walk with Christ? Hey, I noticed the last time you were here, the last three times you really, it seems like you haven't read the passage before you come. Are you doing okay? What are you struggling with? How can I pray for you? Okay. There is a discipleship of love where we care how your walk with Christ is. Not everybody wants that. Not everybody is ready for that. And we don't expect you if you're not ready or if that's not something you want. We're not insisting on that. Okay. But brothers and sisters, if you have signed up for a group and you say, I want to be part of this group, then we're going to take that as your desire is to be discipled by the discipler and leader and the members of this group. If that's not your desire, brothers and sisters, I'm not going to say that's okay as your pastor because I want to see you grow. But nobody's going to get into your face over that. If that's not what you want, then don't participate. Because this framework is here to lovingly get under the hood of your car and to shine the light of Christ's love and his life in that area. And if that's something that you're not ready for or you're going to push back on, then maybe that's something that it's better for you to speak with us privately 
rather than sort of go through the motions each week, okay? And so buyer beware, okay? And I'm just bringing this to you. In the bigger scheme, why are we saying these things? And why is it designed to be this way, okay? John 15, five, Jesus says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. In Matthew 16, 18, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay. Uh, why we say this is, is this. Christ loves you. And his desire for you is that your life bears incredible fruit. And that fruit includes love, joy, peace, and self-control and all the fruit of the spirit, but also the fruit of sharing his life with others. That's his desire. And that's how he builds his church. And apart from him, we can't do anything at all. But at Lighthouse Bible Church in Lagos, we have Christ. We have him. And we want to share him and we want to give him. And we want you to enjoy it to the fullest. And I'll say this about Lagos. Even in the last year to two years, even in the ministry of what was there before, there's been incredible fruit in people's lives. Maybe it's not seen publicly, but privately behind the scenes and the many challenges that have come, it's been amazing to see people take the book of Ephesians and apply it to their marriages, their homes, and their families, and to see it bear fruit, not just in their life, but in the lives of those around them. I mean, it's an amazing thing to behold. And our desire is that you would experience that yet more and that Logos would be really a facilitator for Christ discipling your lives and for you to live his word and enjoy him to the fullest. So that's our prayer for you. That's the direction we're going this semester. Um, and uh, my hope and my prayer and the direction that we desire to go is for us to see Christ's discipleship, his person, his word, and his work become a reality in the members of Lighthouse Bible Church San Jose. So with that, I will, uh, here endeth the lesson, as my old pastor used to say to me, and uh, I will hand that over to Tim. Thanks, Pastor Mark, for um, bringing us the word and uh, just sort of setting the stage for, um, as we look forward to Lagos this upcoming year. Um, yeah, so just, um, just go, I'm just going to give a quick uh, few announcements and then actually we're gonna have a, a short time of q and I know we're, we're running a little bit behind schedule, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, so, so just some quick announcements. Uh, yeah, so we have Sunday worship. We're, we are gathering um, at the SDA church now, both indoor and outdoor. Um, JC, I believe, has posted a, a Google form on the Facebook members page. So if you would like to attend, um, in order for us to help uh, with planning and preparing, uh, please do fill out that form. Um, if you do plan to attend uh, either indoor or outdoor, that, that helps us kind of uh, prepare for the Sunday service. Um, and for uh, our Lagos discipleship groups, the first sharing and prayer meeting should be happening next week. Uh, if your disciples um, have not 
contacted you already, they, they will be contacting you on uh, your specific group's meeting day and time. Um, if you don't have a discipleship group for whatever reason, whether you're new or you just didn't sign up, please uh, contact uh, JC, uh, Teddy, or Edwin, and they could uh, definitely help put you into a group. On the other hand, um, your disciples should also have mentioned this too, but just as a, a quick thing, I don't know if you guys can see my video, but um, this is the book that we'll be going through for uh, this upcoming year. It's a JMAC study guide on First and Second Timothy. So please do uh, purchase this. I believe your disciples should, um, I think they, they should be able to share a link, a link for you to be able to purchase it, or you could uh, find your own way to purchase it as well. Um, other than that, oh, so one other announcement that we've been uh, giving is for the ACBC, um, the ACBC conference 2020. Uh, as Pastor Mark just just taught today, and as we've been kind of um, reiterating, discipleship is one of Lighthouse's distinctives. And uh, to this end, we're you know our prayer is for the Lord to raise up a church of biblical counselors to help spread the gospel and and really make disciples of of Christ right in every aspect of uh, church life so uh, to learn more about the counseling could please consider registering for this conference uh, it's it, it will be an all digital conference in uh, the beginning of October so it's coming up pretty soon in about uh, less than a month um, I believe that the last day to register with the reduced price has already passed, but um, I believe you still can register. So um, yeah, uh, there, there uh, is information for where you can register um, on, I believe our website, you can, you can find that, or you can uh, reach out to any of the disciples. They should be able to point you in the right direction. Um, there is also a group discount for that. So um, yeah, please, uh, uh, if you do sign up, please uh, take advantage of that. Um, other than that, I don't have any other closing announcements. Um, I think we did just want to dedicate uh, the last portion of time to uh, some Q&A. This is the first meeting, uh, and if anybody does have any questions, um, now is the time to, to ask them, and um, Pastor Mark will, uh, will answer your questions. So please do feel free to unmute yourselves and ask. If there's no questions, I get to go to bed early. So I've got a big bowl of ice cream waiting for me as my big reward. Oh, no. Jesus is my reward. I'm going to put away the ice cream and let go of that for this evening. So I have a question. Um, in terms of preparation, how much preparation, like, is there, do you have in mind for our people when, before they come to, like, Lagos? Tons of preparation, John. Um, that's a great question. It's a, it's a good question. Okay. Look, you're going to hear this from me. There's certain things, places where I go to all the time. So you'll get sick of me, but okay. John 15, one of my go-to places, right? I'm the vine, you're the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay. Yeah. All my premaritals, you hear me you see Antonio and Nadira nodding, right? The, the other one is Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the five loaves and two fish. You give your five loaves and your two fish and Jesus is going to prosper you. There are going to be weeks that are crazy. I get it. There are going to be 
weeks that are hard, all right? But I just ask in advance that you pray and ask Jesus to shepherd your heart with his word so it doesn't become an academic exercise, that you read the passage and you do the best you can to complete the exegesis 101 sheet. And if you don't know what that is, your discipler will let you know, okay? But, you know, look, guys, it's, it, it, it's not rocket science, right, John? We're not asking people to build, you know, satellites and defenseware. You know, it's, oh, everybody gets all nervous and wigged out. It's like, you open your Bible, you pray, you read it. It could probably take you an hour. And if you spread that out over three nights, that's like 20 minutes over three days. You know, no, but it, I know I'm over it. But really, honestly, if, if you went through that material and you just give what you can, the Lord is going to prosper it because the Lord knows the heart of those who give. He knows the weeks that that's there. Um, and uh, he'll bless that time. I think it's the John, the direction of the heart, right? I, I think when people are checked out and they're dialing it in, they could have read it all and done it all, but if they're just dialed out and, and or they've come because they think they know it all, that's more destructive than someone who struggled and done the best they could. Did that answer your question, John? Yeah. The scribes and the Pharisees would come super prepared and they would have a dissertation ready to go. And Jesus would take the simple tax collector and fishermen who have done the best they could with their limited understanding. And he would rejoice over them rather than the scribe and Pharisee. Pastor Mark. Yes. Do you have, do you have any, here. <laughs> do you have any um, suggestions on maybe how uh, husbands and wives can prepare, if they maybe could prepare together, or you know, sometimes wives have a lot on their plate as husbands do, but maybe some tips and how they can encourage one another during Lagos. That's, you know, it's a volleyball that goes up in the air and I'm left to smash it and spike it down onto the other side. For married couples, I think one of the reasons we did Thursday night is so that wives can meet together on Thursday nights, but Thursday nights before the session, and so that the men can put the kids down and handle things for you, and so that the men can meet on another evening. And so, men, one of the ways we want to lead in the homes is to provide a way for our wives to participate. It's one of the ways we deny ourselves and pick up the cross and follow Jesus. And I do think it's worth just having a brief conversation with our wives to say, okay, what's going to work and what help do you need from us for you to be with the women in their small groups? And how is this going to play out? Now, it's going to be chaos in the beginning. It's not going to run smoothly. But over time, as you follow Christ, he's going to get it sorted out. Once again, your five loaves and your two fish. The second thing to consider very seriously is, it is very much set up so that you can go through the material together with your spouse. Okay. As you look at it, part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to walk through God's word together. When everybody's listening to, okay, I'm listening to grace to you. I'm listening to John Piper. I've got this going and I've got my Bible study and she's got, she's in Proverbs and I'm in Psalms and 
all of this and we're all over. I'm going to ask you as a church to prioritize what we go through Sundays, okay? And we're going through the Psalms and 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy for the next month and God's high calling for the church and what we're going through in Lagos. If this is what the church and the leaders have said is a priority for the church, we're doing that because we prayed through it. When I do a sermon series or when I do something, I email it to the elders and say, okay, what do you guys think? These are my concerns for the church. And that's how we work through. And sometimes they say, hey, you know, maybe this, maybe that. We go back and forth and there's feedback, but we're doing it out of love. So I'm going to ask you really, if you could, to prioritize your focus and attention. And then whatever you have left over, do, you know, whatever direction or whatever theological itch needs to be scratched to pursue that. But as far as Lagos goes, the way it's set up, there's a schedule, there's a portion of scripture that we go through once really every two weeks. That's really a wonderful opportunity, even if you took the exegesis sheet or you took the MacArthur little study guide, which is also a help. And you even divided it up between the two of you. What Julie and I will typically do is we'll take one of the books that's being read, like Conversion, or we'll take Discipling, or the different books that we go through, and our Monday and Tuesday evening, we read through a portion of that together. Or we'll read through on Monday the scripture that we went through on Sunday for the service, and if we get a free night, we'll read in advance the scripture that is going to be taught on Wednesday or Thursday evening, and we'll discuss it together. And that warms our hearts and primes us up and it keeps us united on that. And it really enriches and blesses your time together. The word of the Lord is meant to unite you. Use it as that opportunity for your devotionals. Uh, Mrs. Chin, uh, does that help? And did that adequately answer your question? Yes. Yes. Servant helpers, we need them. Okay. We need them. So, and, and any of you have done premarital with us, you understand. We, we need that help for the godly woman to come alongside. Thank you, Mrs. Chen. I, you know, just to add, I think one of the great joys uh, for us, you know, a few years ago, I asked Julie, would you? consider leading a small group and participating in do loss, what was then do loss. And at the time with us where things were at with the children, it seemed overwhelming. It seemed like I was asking Julie to do one more thing in the midst of a busy schedule. And I shared with her, I know it's hard, just give me your five loaves and two fish. And, and it's because my desire is that we would be able to minister together in a ministry and participate together. Because so often church ministry, a husband can be over here, a wife can be over here, and, and you get split up. And, you know, the Lord has just blessed us incredibly. He's blessed us incredibly, even in the opportunity to discuss the teachings when I'm not teaching and to hear someone else teach as, as the others teach. And for us to discuss it together and for us to prepare or go through the material together and for us to share what we're learning together, even husbands, it's as simple as, going to your wife and saying, what did you learn from your discipleship group? What did your discipleship group talk about? Um, 
how can I be praying for you? And how can we pray through First Timothy? What aspects of First Timothy uh, do you want me to be praying for you? That's leading. It's as simple as that. And, and I know in, in one sense, Julie asked because Lagos has really enriched our marriage and our life and our time in the church. Tim, we're at 9.59, so it's uh, once, yeah. twice, three times, going, going, gone. So. Yeah, any, any last questions? Speak now or forever hold your peace. No, speak now or else uh, you, can, you can reach out uh, separately if you have questions. Let's do a five-second countdown. Five, four. I'll add a couple things for, for some of the folks here since. <clears throat> okay. Husbands with pregnant wives, okay? You're entering into a season, as I see your faces, okay, where mom is gonna be out of commission for a while and she needs to be ministered to, okay? And it's one of the sweet things that you can do in Lagos by giving her a segue into all the ways in which you are being blessed and to walk her through what you are learning, not in a condescending way, but in an encouraging way, because now's a time for us to come alongside and help carry and minister at a time when that's hard. Similarly, singles. I want to say this is not just for married couples. There's an opportunity for you to break the law, okay? But you do it as unto the Lord. But you have an opportunity to gather together, all right? And to be involved in one another's lives. It's not just married couples. There's an opportunity for you to do the homework together. There's an opportunity instead of grinding away by yourself, it's meant to speak into one another's lives where you get together and go through the word and go through your preparation together. Yeah, but we're going to see each other for the group. Yeah, but it's that much sweeter when you get there and you're primed and you're able to really engage in that time. So I just want to encourage you to be creative about gathering around the word together. It is only going to enrich your life. And it doesn't have to be just all men and all women, okay? We are not Mennonites and we're not Amish and we don't segregate and we're not Hasidic Jews, okay? As long as there are groups of you together and there's good accountability, okay? Um, you know, the solo thing, let's, uh, let's avoid that, okay? And let's be above reproach. But there's an opportunity to gather together to encourage one another to love and good deeds, okay? Did I miss anybody? The ministry to cats and pets and small dogs. Be kind to your animals. Okay, let me make one other pitch here while I'm here, okay? My wife is, I'm going through with our boys in our family, biblical leadership based on what we're going through in First Timothy. And all I'm doing is I'm taking those Bible storybooks which go through all the Bible stories and just emphasizing or bringing out for them the lessons on leadership, on what godly leadership is. Because I want my boys at a young age to see, look, this is the standard of godly leadership. So, you know, my hope, Greg Harris, you know, who was just an incredible encouragement to me at TMS, 
would build curriculums around you being able to share what he taught in our seminary classes with your wife and with your children. That's what this is there for. The hope as you go through, I'm going to encourage you all to get a prayer journal, okay? Right? A prayer journal to write out your prayer requests and to write out what you're learning and keep it and put it on your shelf. And the hope is that as you go through 1 Timothy, at the end of the year, you're able to take the book and open it up and see how the Lord has answered your prayers, how he's made it come alive in your life. But then you're able to do a Bible study at your workplace with other believers are there and simply open up your book and go through all the outlines and all the points as the elders have walked you through an outline of First Timothy, where you're able to share that and run a work Bible study so that the gospel goes out. That's how these are designed. You went through the book of Ephesians last year or for two years. You're in a position, if you sat through and paid attention and did the homework, to take your book and sit down with a group of believers in the workplace or a group of sisters or a group of wives in your neighborhood or at your, your PTA and sit there and said, hey, do you guys want to go through the book and read through the book of Ephesians together and open it up and read through and you've got all the notes and all the outlines and all the PowerPoints ready to go. That's what this is designed for. All right, Tim, I've stretched it to the limit and then some. All right, thanks. Um, yeah, let me just um, close us in a word of prayer. Again, if you do have other questions, please reach out to your disciples um, and they should be able to point you in, in the right direction. Um, yeah, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we're humbled by uh, just the word that we heard today. Lord, you are the one who pursues us to become your disciples. Lord, you are the one who makes disciples, not us. And Lord, I pray for each one of us that as we go through this study this year um, in First Timothy, Lord, that we would uh, really understand what it means to be a, a disciple uh, from your word and the high calling that uh, you call us to. Um, and that we would not rely on our own strength, but that we would be walking with you by the power of your spirit, and that we would trust in you and let go of the things of this world uh, that cling on to us and prevent us from enjoying you to the fullest. So Lord, I just thank you again for this uh, first Lagos meeting. And Lord, I just pray that you be with us for this year, that we would, that you would convict us, that you would uh, change our hearts, uh, the power of your word and through your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.